Good morning, church family and guests. My name is Floyd Roseberry. I'm a retired pastor and missionary, and I've been a member of Hillside Covenant Church now for about 15 years. I'm sitting in my favorite chair at home uh, in order to uh, share this message. When Michelle Miller sent me an email asking if I'd like to preach this month, I said I sure would. And there were four topics and I quickly picked the one on community. So that will be our theme today. I want to do this uh, message based upon a passage in John 15, which was read for us. My home base in scripture for several decades has been basically the uh, upper room discourse of Jesus, chapters 13 to 17 in John especially chapters 14 and 15. My text has been taken from John 15, and I want to talk about my goals, wishes, and dreams for our Hillside Church community as we begin a new era in our Christian life together with uh, our new pastor, Dan Seitz. I want to use Jesus' word, abide, as we uh, share the wishes I have for us. Verse four begins with Jesus saying, abide in me as I abide in you. I want us to be a church family that abides in Jesus, a Jesus people, uh, a Christ-centered community. We remember that our faith is not Godianity, but Christianity. Christ is the way to God, the life of God. When we gather together, as it says in Matthew 18, 20, he is in our midst. Or two or three, or two or three hundred are gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. My favorite translation of the beginning of verse four is in the Jerusalem Bible. Make your home in me as I make my home in you. So when Jesus wants to abide in us, he wants to make his own home inside of each one of us. And then he wants uh, to be at home in us. In Jesus, we are at home. We're part of the family of God when we abide in Christ. We are brothers and sisters of Jesus, the presence of our Heavenly Father, and led by the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus wants this, this to happen corporately as well as individually. Paul puts it this way in Romans 1.6, We're called, all of us, to belong to Jesus Christ, to be as brothers and sisters under the mantle of God the Father. Another word Jesus uses in John 15 is to describe our relationship to him as friends. He says to all of us, I call you friends. He shares with us his heart, Jesus says, because uh, he wants us to share his ministry, his vision of sharing the gospel to the whole world. He says in that same passage, you did not choose me, but I chose you. 
So as Peter says in his first letter, we're a chosen race, as well as a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. He gives us a little warning at the end of verse 5, as we seek to do this, apart from me, you can do nothing. We need to take that soberly. I think I would add here the words, uh, in order to do something of eternal good, we can do nothing. I'm glad uh, there's a balancing verse in the New Testament. It's found over uh, in First uh, Peter. I can do all things in him that is in Christ who strengthens me. The second way the word abide is used in our text is in verse 7. Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. We abide in Christ as we abide in his words or his commands and obey them. Uh, we're to be a Bible-centered community. In traditional language, we say the Bible is our authority for faith and practice. So if we want to learn about theology and ethics, we always begin with the Bible. When I and some others uh, were in a Zoom meeting uh, with Dan Seitz, uh, another member of the group was Rod Moore, and uh, Rod asked Dan if he was, well, he said, I think you're aware of the internal discussions we've been having in our church about race relations. I'd like, it, like you to respond to how you feel about that discussion. Well, Dan stopped for a few moments to think, and he said, well, and I love this response. I always start with the Bible. And then he went on back to Genesis 1, read about our being created in the image of God, and said, that's where we start. And we respect all races, all people, um, because we're created in the image of God. I could say a whole lot more about being a Bible-centered church, but uh, we heard last week a thorough and beautiful presentation uh, by this emphasis in our church, by, uh, preached by Becky Garner. I do share one of her images. That found in Psalm 1, chapter, verses 2 and 3. The people of God delight in the law of the Lord, and in this law they meditate day and night. And they are like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season and never withers. We are nurtured in our church family by the Bible. Another thing said here about this is in verse 3 of our text, you've already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. So as we meditate on scripture, we're not only informed, we're not only directed, we're drawn close, but we are made clean by the water of the word. Theologian John Stott used to put it this way, when you and I become Christians, followers of Christ, uh, we commit ourselves to a lifetime of Bible study. A third use of the word abide has to do with fruit bearing. 
Jesus says in verse 4, Just as the branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So we're to be a fruit-bearing people. Jesus seems to give uh, two different ideas about fruit here in the larger text. Uh, in the beginning of John 15, where he talks a lot about love, it seems to be that this fruit is something like the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. It's a characteristic, spiritual characteristic of us. But as we move farther into the text of John 15, uh, it seems that we have a different idea given. That is, that uh, as we bear fruit, we go to bear fruit in the world. So this has really to do with ministry. And uh, it has to do with uh, shining our light in the community. It has to do with winning other people to Jesus Christ. And so Jesus wants us to be on this adventure with him as friends. And then in verse 7, Jesus says, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. We are to be a praying community. Again in verse 16, And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Jesus wants us to pray. We are uh, much encouraged by our Lord to pray. Go back to chapter 14, verses uh, 13 and 14. Jesus says, I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. In my name, you can ask me for anything, and I will do it. Do we want to know uh, where to shine our light in the world? And do we not to know what kind of fruit he wants us to bear? Do we want to, uh, well, not want to be the kind of people James speaks of when he says that uh, you have not, you ask not because you ask not. For some years, I've been part of the prayer leadership of our church and I want to share just a few feelings about our church's prayer life, especially our intercessory prayer for our church in the world. First of all, I'm really pleased about the quantity and the quality of our prayer in relation to the calling of Dan Seitz. Our senior pastor search team uh, and many others of us prayed long and hard about this and the show that God really answered that prayer, we had the happy result of showing 99% of us voting for him to be our new senior pastor. And there we have prayer in our uh, staff meetings and in our council meetings. I'm pleased that there's prayer in uh, some of our small groups and prayer uh, through the computer requests that come out from a shell for the needy in our church. And then uh, our Saturday morning prayer time once a month. And I'm sure there's a lot of prayer that goes on that I don't know about. 
I guess my concern is that uh, for the size of our church, for the many rich gifts we have of the people, uh, the coming missionary opportunities for our church, uh, as we shine our light in the world, do we have a strong enough prayer base? For several years now, I've had this image. I think of uh, prayer as the foundation of our church. Looking at the building, I think of hollow blocks filled with cement and placed around so that there's a very strong foundation. And then sometimes I think, I wonder how many hollow blocks are really under this church holding us up. And uh, so my goal, I guess, is that we have more of us really pray together. I think most of us uh, are better doers than we are prayers. For nine years, I had as a uh, spiritual director, a nun over in Burlingame with the Sisters of Mercy. I'd go once a month. I don't know how many times she told me during those nine years I was with her, uh, oh, Floyd, you're such an activist. And I think most of us are that way. It's either easier for us to work, uh, take a position in the church and act, and it is really get aside to pray about what we're doing. And I guess that's my hope for the church. I took a little time and just looked at the prayer life of the early church again. Uh, in Acts 1, it says, after Jesus ascended, the 11 disciples and others uh, went back to the upper room, probably where the uh, Lord's Supper was held. And uh, it says in verse 14, all these were constantly devoting themselves to prayer together with certain women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as his brothers. After Pentecost and the baptism of the 3,000 converts, we read in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. The next chapter, chapter 3, Peter and John are brought before the Sanhedrin, the uh, Supreme Court of the Jewish nation, and told not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. Well, when that was over, they went back and uh, in verses uh, 23 and 31, there's the whole story about it. But it says at the end of that, at the end of their prayer meeting, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Again, when Peter was put in prison, uh, they had a prayer meeting going for him to get out. Then just another reference in Acts 13, beginning with verse 1. Uh, several prophets and uh, teachers, and this included Saul and Barnabas, gathered together for prayer. And during that prayer meeting, as they were fasting and praying, the Holy Spirit said, Set aside for me Saul and Barnabas uh, for the work to which I'm calling them. And then it says that they uh, fasted and prayed, and then laid their hands on them and sent them off. As we go through the whole book of Acts, constantly the church 
is praying. And I want us to be abiding in prayer as a church community. In verse 9 of our text, Jesus says, As the Father has loved you, love me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Jesus wants us to be a loving community. In the upper room discourse, which I said began John 13, starts like this, that Jesus, having loved his own who were in the world, loved them to the end. Later in that chapter, chapter 13, he gives what he calls his new commandment. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for the other. And uh, even in chapter 15, 12, it says again, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Jesus talks about commandments in the plural, but actually he only has one commandment he gives this in this whole text, and that is to love one another. And as we abide in his love, we grow in our ability to love one another. For me right now in my own life, Jesus' words, abide in my love, uh, have growing importance. It's out of this abiding that everything in our church and our church's mission and our love for Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, people in the church, people in the community, everything springs out of love. This is the big word. God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God. I had planned to say a lot more about this, but I'm not. Uh, this is so important. I do want to just remind us that one of our early church fathers, I can't remember which one, said about the people in the Roman Empire, about the Christians, see how they love one another. The passage read to us closes with these words in verse 11. Jesus says, I have said these things to you so that my joy might be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus wants us to be a joyful community. And joy is a, a product of everything I've said so far in this message. You know, we're not just a grind it out doing a lot of church work. We're to serve the Lord with gladness, have a lightness in our step. Um, I'm the serious type, and I find myself saying sometimes, hey, Floyd, lighten up a little bit. And I need to do that. Uh, I get joy challenged sometimes, and uh, I want more and more to uh, relax in the love of Christ and to find the rest that he promises, and, uh, and to be more joyful, to be happy and glad in him. There's a, there's a couple of pictures I want to show you. This picture is called The Risen Christ. And you can see here that uh, 
Jesus is smiling. He's, it's after the resurrection. He's looking at his disciples as he looks at us now with a huge smile on his face, inviting us to him. I think of uh, when I look at this picture of the lines of some hymns, uh, Lo, Jesus meets us, risen from the tomb. Lovingly he greets us, scatters fear and gloom. Let the church with gladness hymns of triumph sing, for our Lord thou liveth, death and loss is sting. Another uh, verse of another hymn, uh, Jesus has risen from the dead and uh, he wants to restore us in gladness. He doesn't want us to be hangdog people, but to rejoice in him. That's another picture I want to show you here. Uh, this is, I think, my favorite picture of all of Jesus. If you could see it clearly, you'd see Jesus is giving uh, a person a big hug. And then above Jesus is the Holy Spirit in the cloud form. And then huge hands from God the Father wanting to embrace us in love. So this picture just says that, uh, that he wants to give us a hug. I think in this uh, way for, uh, there's the hymn, uh, I heard the voice of Jesus say, come unto me and rest. Lay down, thou weary one, lay down thy head upon my breast. I came to Jesus as I was, weary and worn and sad, I found in him a resting place, and he has made me glad. So we are to be glad people. There's a, a verse in, Zach, in Zephaniah that uh, has come to mean a lot to me. Uh, when I was in my mid-50s, I preached a sermon called a brand new text. I had been in the Bible for years, but I'd never seen this text, Zephaniah 317. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will help you to know his love. He will rejoice over you with loud singing as on a day of festival. Rejoice, God rejoices over us. And maybe one of the best things we could learn to do is to rejoice over God, rejoicing in us. God wants a, a happy, glad family. And we at Hillside, I think, want to become a joyful family. Chapter 16, John, uh, John, Jesus says, Hitherto you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. One reason to be a community of prayer is to experience the joy that comes when prayer is answered. Uh, Hitherto I've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive your joy may be full. One summer, I, uh, 1955, the year I graduated from college, uh, 
I spent the whole summer on Catalina Island at the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship Camp. In one of the camps, we uh, had our staff member, Miriam Lemke, and uh, at that camp was also a, a Japanese girl that was not a Christian. Well, that particular night, uh, Miriam wanted to meet with this girl, so we had a prayer meeting together and prayed for the effectiveness of that. Well, we all went down to the beach early in the morning. Sure enough, they were there, and this girl accepted Christ. I looked at Miriam, and I had never in my life uh, seen um, a, such a beautiful, joyful smile on anybody's face. This girl had come to Christ. She was happy and crying, and Miriam was glowing. And I'd like us to be like that, just glowing with the joy of the Lord, because things happen because we are light in the world. And things are happening because we abide in Christ and uh, we abide in uh, his community and the word and, and uh, in prayer and love and are a joyful people. And uh, I'm just looking forward to a lot of grace being shown to us as we move ahead at our venture together as a church with our new pastor. The Lord bless. Amen. Let's pray together. All gracious Father, you have called us in Christ Jesus to abide, to remain, to stay close to, to cling to, to follow. Oh Lord, we pray that you will help us in these things. Lord Jesus Christ, we love you and uh, we want to know you better in all these different ways we've talked about, via community in which you delight, where you show yourself, where you give guidance. And we pray that you, together with the Father and the Spirit, will be glorified in all the things that we do. And Lord, we ask all of this in your name. Amen. And a blessing for all of you. Goodbye.